Welcome, everyone. This is Janice Alpert with On Purpose, where we interview people who have found their life's purpose and trying to do it on purpose. Um, first, you may have noticed that there's been a little bit of a lag. Uh, took Noah and I, my producer. Hi, Noah. Hi, Janice. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, we took a little break for the holidays. So I know this is already getting a little late in January, but I did want to wish everyone a happy and healthy new year, uh, particularly healthy with all this latest variant. So, um, but welcome back. Uh, we're excited to interview our guest today. Her name is Amy Wax. And not only is she a colleague, but she's a dear, dear friend and she has a great story. So hi, Amy. Hello. Hi, this is so exciting. <laughs> oh, welcome. We're so happy that you're here. It's always, I haven't seen you in a while. So nice to see you. Uh, Cause we're, we're in video, even though this is all auditory. So Amy, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, your, a little bit about your family. Okay. I uh, grew up in New York city mm-hmm. and a uh, child of Holocaust survivors, which is a very big reason for my journey at the, the foundation of my journey consciously. Uh-huh. And um, I went through school always trying my hardest, but never really being understood about why is it that you sound so brilliant and you can say and do so many things, but I don't know, academically, no matter how much you try, you still can't seem to get that A that you deserve. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure many people listening to this can relate. So yeah, go ahead. And, and one of the important elements too, is that Having family that that lived through such horrors, um, you know, I never realized really till much later in my life why my father was was constantly worried about me because I kept telling him not to worry. I was sure I was going to become and do something in my life. Oh, his definition of survival was becoming a physician. Uh Because in Europe, of course, no matter where in the world you would be, you could be a doctor. Uh I was never going to be able to sit at those medical books that he sat with me day in and day out and memorize them well enough to become a doctor. But, so let me just say this. I did not know this. So your dad wanted you to be a doctor here. I've known just, so you know, I've known Amy like 30 years. I did not know that. So he wanted you to be a doctor. Really? Yes. And then okay. I can remember there was a couple of elements of importance to um, to the story about being a child who's family has survived so much. When I was six years old, my father gave me for a birthday gift, a watch. Okay. To me, make the most of your life and never let time be wasted. And I'm going to start crying. That is, that's unbelievable. At six years old, do you remember? Yes, I do remember. Obviously you're sharing it. Yes. And I I actually, even to this day, I still wear a watch. you know, I don't know what technology does, but my watch stays on my hand and mm-hmm. that's that connection to maximizing life that I've been given. Mm-hmm. So, I love that message. Love it. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I think that we find our journey in so many different ways, but I've always been, I've always believed that if you don't believe in yourself, then you're not going to get where you want to go. And mm-hmm. so I remember I went to, interestingly enough, at three years old, I was sent to sleepaway camp because I was, uh, I lived in New York City. And, <laughs> at three uh, years old? Holy Toledo, go ahead. Yeah, because, you know, uh, there was a um, polio, 
polio had been around for a while. My parents were very worried. Mm-hmm. So a friend of theirs uh, opened a camp in Vermont. And mm-hmm. I can remember going on a train with some strangers up to sleepaway camp. And that was my first journey to sleepaway camp separation and recognizing that, hey, I could do this. I love being able to be free to run around and do and be whatever I wanted to. And that's where I connected with butterflies. Oh, and so everything I have pretty much has a butterfly on it. Mm-hmm. Me, butterflies mean to be able to be free to be. And that's what I always have really been about is curious, wanting, going, doing, believing and just free to be. Oh, I love that. And that is true. I know your logo is a butterfly. I love it. Love it. But I love that story. That Again, didn't know that you were sent away to overnight camp at three years old and that you ended up loving it. But I do know you have an independent spirit and that's that's just who you are. So, um, yeah. And, and you're also right that when families come from families of survivors or any other horrible traumatic events, it affects the kids and hopefully in a positive way, which it sounds like for you, it did. And your dad had a certain amount of wisdom that he gave you a watch at six years old to say, Hey, use your time wisely, babe. That's, and that's, that's a, that's, I mean, I can't even imagine my parents having that much depth or um, awareness to encourage that and instill that in, in us. I mean, they instilled other things, but not something at that deeper level. So amazing. So you, you went to sleep away camp, you got your watch about time. It sounds like you struggled in school, even though you're bright and, and people really didn't understand you. Do you remember how that made you feel? Uh, very frustrated, mm-hmm. uh, mostly badly because I felt I wasn't living up to the standards or the needs of my family mm-hmm. that need to perform at a certain academic level. Um, of course, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where I love you anyway. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's lovely to be told by a parent that they love you, despite the fact that you can't reach the, what they feel is important. Um, so when, when you're, when, yes, that, that, that we call that a backhand compliment, but yes. Yeah, so there's a, there's always tentacles to that kind of a compliment. Um, so when you finally, I'm curious when, when you yourself sort of realize like, yeah, not going to be a doctor, that's just not going to be my, um, for occupation, forte, mission, whatever journey, part of my journey. And you told your dad, do you remember, was he upset? I mean, how was, no, I, I, I honestly, um, you know, it's really hard to tell someone who's had trauma mm-hmm. and trauma that my family has yep. had to be able to say, don't, I kept telling him, don't worry, but you know, I also have another issue besides a learning disability, which we of course now call learning disability. Right. Um, and that is that I am ADHD. I define, I define it. And at the time it was considered, you don't sit and focus long enough. And it was called, uh, I used to give it the nickname of spilkeitis. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Jewish phrase. That means you can't sit down basically. And you have to keep moving, okay. which is what ADHD is. And well, you can explain ADHD better than I, but go ahead. That's okay because I mean, I really, my father in his own way thought that was very humorous because every time he'd turn around, I was gone mm-hmm. because I was curious. I wanted to know, I wanted to go, I wanted to be, I, I defined the butterfly in me. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believed very strongly that somehow in some way I was going to make a contribution. I just didn't know exactly how that would be. But one of the things that I always had was an understanding of other people. Mm-hmm. Of, of peers of things. And, you know, I can totally uh, support that. You are one of the most empathic, compassionate 
people that I know and sensitive to. Yeah, go ahead. But you know, you don't know as a child, you still want to be, you know, so many things. And of course. And it was really important. I mean, my friends would come to me with, you know, their stories or problems or whatever. And I, I always made room for it. And I always uh-huh. felt as though there was something out there, but I still was restless. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, I went to college uh, in, in New York City. OK. Uh, I was married at 19. Oh, wow. I mean, I knew that, but yes, <laughs> I still think that's young. Yes. But how, as far as as far as like applying to colleges and stuff, was that really hard because of your learning disability or what back then? How did how did that work? Well, I, I had, I was, uh, first of all, I went to five schools before I graduated high school. Oh, wow. And my parents kept trying to figure out which school was going to be the one that could turn Fix, on. That me. fixes you. Yes, I got it. Yes. So um, I had a friend uh, towards the end of high school and she was going to a, a local college. And I said, fine, I'll go there. Because when I took the SAT, I, I have, a, you know, I learned very young that I standardized tests. Mm-hmm. was never something that I was going to ace. And it was mm-hmm. okay because mm-hmm. I was already prepared for it. And I would always take everything at least two or three times. Even to this day, you have to know that I've lived in a number of different states. Mm-hmm. And every state I've had to get relicensed, a clinical license. Yeah. I'm prepared to fail the first time. Because after I get the first time, then I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So but I you- love that you know that about yourself. You're compassionate about it. You're not yelling at yourself. You just say, this is how I learn. And that you yes. knew that back even in high school before college, I think is just amazing because it's a good lesson for everybody. So go and ahead. It is my goal to go to college was to get advanced degrees in psychology. Oh, so you, when did you realize like psychology was going to be your your thing? Well, I couldn't tell you that I could define it as psychology, but I knew I wanted to work with others. And that was what I was going to do. Okay. It wasn't going to be in medicine. Yeah. Well, I got that. Yes. So, but medicine was out, but you, you, you always had an inner knowing, like I want to do something that's going to help others. Right. Always. Okay. So, so, I mean, what I did was, even though I was married at 19, I uh, was always working. Uh I liked find many different jobs because I thought the most important thing that I could offer myself was experiences so that I could. And I had the freedom of doing that. I was married to a wonderful guy who, who really never stopped me from doing and trying and being. And Hey, back then, if you think about it, 50 years ago, whatever that's, he was very in this area, very uh, liberal and progressive because, you know, he could have wanted you home with uh, doing dishes and making babies. Yeah. Go ahead. Not me. Yes. I am very open about who I am and the way that I am. Um, And I'm always, I always have to laugh at myself. So I'm very clear about this is who I am. This is what I need. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I had lots of different jobs while I was in college. Okay. And you know, the problem with being in, in not having experience in the field you want to be in is that nobody wants to give you experience in the field you want to be in. Right. Until you've had experience. So it's a catch 22. Yeah. Right. So I, I my first uh, my first job was really working with street gangs um, in mm. New York City. Uh, and I learned how to speak Spanish very well. I, oh. I learned Spanish. OK. Uh, no, but know I, that. Do you still, can you still speak it? Uh, probably deep in my brain, there's a place that when I need it, I probably can pull it oh, out. Okay. Um, Again, but, another part of, of my dear friend that I didn't know, but go ahead. 
I mean, but because I wanted to be exposed to as much as possible. And if someone would hire me to do something and that's what I was going to do. Okay. So I had a lot of different experiences all the while focused on getting my graduate degree and working on all kinds of things because I wanted to know everything. And my passion and interest evolved into neuroscience and brain research. Okay. So if, if I could find someone who would let me into their conference or to go into a meeting and just to listen, mm-hmm. because I recognized my strength was in listening, mm-hmm. reading and remembering, but listening and remembering. Yes. And so, right. Cause the more, you yes. know, the more you can apply. Exactly. So, so early on, you sort of figured out that auditorily, you know, in terms of hearing that and listening, that that was going to be one of your um, superheroes, whatever, uh, super, whatever, like a really good thing. So that you could use in your, in your life. Yes. Always. always. And so it was because, you know, if you can recognize that you're good at something, if you hold on to it, when you recognize how many things you can't be good at, even if you want to be. Totally. And we all have the word I was looking for was superpower. We all have these superpowers within us if we can access them and and use them. So, yeah, great. And as you know, I eventually uh, ended up moving to the Chicagoland area. Mm -hmm. I had to take my licensing exam over again. (laughs) Yes, uh I do. I do remember that well, because just a sidebar um, in Illinois, the licensing for Amy's and mine, we have a similar degree, same, same degree. Um, I don't know how many years ago that was. It was just maybe about 20, 25. I don't know. Yeah. And that it became like you have to get this licensing. So we were all those of us had already been in practice for a while, or like in your case, you moved, we were like a little freaked out that we had to take this major exam. I'm not a great test taker either. So I was plenty nervous, but Amy and I organized a workshop. We were like the teachers, which was like kind of a joke was the blind leading the blind. But anyways, there were about eight of us and you know, it was uh, yeah, it was a hard test. It was a very hard test, but, but you know, if you can find humor in it, I mean, it wasn't something that I was going to give up that you were going to give up. It was just a matter of how we would get there. Exactly. And we're happy to say that we, you know, ultimately we both passed and yay, yay, yay. And now we just have to take 30 CEUs every two years and we're good to go. <laughs> exactly. And I like to study and I like to learn and, and it's my, I feel so hopeful when I do learn because then I can share it with others. You know, and when you see families and parents and you can just take that extra piece and go, you know what? It's not over yet. And that hey. is the word, is it? It's, it's, not, it's, it's not. not over yet. And believe me, you know, I've shared a little bit on this podcast. I think that I have this younger son that has been a bit challenging and um, Amy has been very helpful. I want her to talk a little bit more about what she actually has ended up specializing in. But um, but you said that to me many times. It's not over. So don't give up, which he's doing well now. And, you know, um, always been a very supportive person in this area, knowing how many challenges my son has had. So anyways, but how, how did you get into, if you want to share a little bit, what you what you ultimately chose to do? Sure. So, so I moved here. I got my license. Um, I started working for psychiatrists and running clinical groups. I, I, you know, work for different agencies uh, while I was waiting to, you know, complete the requirements of the state of Illinois, which meant taking college classes again, graduate school classes, which that was kind of interesting. And I, bet. <laughs> I bet. I <laughs> bet. 
okay, because it meant meeting more people, learning from others, which is always something so important. And then, you know, I am an equal opportunity parent. I have uh-huh. children with different types of learning disabilities and attention uh-huh. issues. Uh-huh. Um, and so I always, you know, I always found humor in the things that they could or couldn't do and did not make anything into a big deal because I recognize that there's always another opportunity, another door to open. Uh-huh. Um, what a fabulous attitude. Love it. Go ahead. So, so I had this amazing experience. I'm very lucky that I met my co-author, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I still had a clinical practice, but I went into the high school because I wanted to understand what colleges would be available to my children who have learning differences. Right. And this goes back a long time because we're about to enter into our 16th edition. Yes. Oh, God. 16th edition of the K&W Guide to Colleges for Students with Learning Differences. It's an unbelievable, amazing book and just unbelievable. So just just say that title one more time because people listening might need to go out and buy that book. I think, I don't know if they have any kids that are struggling. It's unbelievable, but go ahead. What's the K&W? K&W Guide to Colleges for Students with Learning Differences. And we're published by Random House, Princeton Review. Mm -hmm. in the 16th edition, we're first starting. So that means we've been doing this 32 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And let me tell you, I went into the high school where my other kids who, everybody had a different level of learning. Mm-hmm. Issue. The one who had more of a struggle, I went right into the office of, I had never been in there. You don't think about it until you have a child of need. Right, right. into the college counselor's office, went right into the drawers. They were... <laughs> Of course you did. Of course you did. And I was looking through these drawers, looking for colleges and stuff. And of course, you know, she finally came out and said, can I help you? And I said, well, it depends. I'm looking for a college for my daughter who has this wonderful ability, but has these inabilities and, and she need, I want this and she wants that. And, and so Mary Beth Kravitz and I started talking together Uh and that we should put a book together because not only did I see a need for my children, but I was also in my clinical practice seeing kids with learning differences, uh-huh. as we now know it as autism spectrum disorder too. Right. Had different labels at the time. And so for me, it wasn't only that I wanted for my child, I wanted for all children because for yep. what I believe very strongly in is hopes and dreams. Uh-huh. I hold on to that all my life uh-huh. here. If I didn't hold on to it, where would I keep on going if you don't have hopes and dreams? And so, so you know, true, right? So true. We, we do this, right? This is who we are. This is who you and I are, Janice. We're yes. always looking and understanding and pushing and opening doors and wanting for others, for ourselves, for those we love and those we care about. And so we did actually uh, put our first book together and uh, coming from New York, I went back to New York because that's where I get my haircut, where my cousin family is. <laughs> You know, we have roots roots there. Yeah. And so uh, I went from publishing house to publishing house and they told me that there was no market for a college book on for students with learning differences. And so we called it learning disabilities at the time. And that's, you know, changed, of course. And so Mary Beth and I published 3000 copies ourselves and we sold it in about three months. I Uh took back to New York. So I just love, just remember, and I've said this before on this, you know, podcast that sometimes on our journey, we might get some no's and no does not mean no. It means next. 
and that you, if you believe in something and you've got that passion inside, and that's probably part of your purpose that you just, you don't say no, you find another way. So I love the story that you, everyone said no. And I understand that too, because I think I've shared that I've written, you know, my first book also, I had an 8 million no's until finally I had a yes. And then whatever. And then I too, uh, my second book had ended up self-publishing and it went very well. So sometimes you have to do what you have to do. You don't get so if, if people are being like not exactly helpful and, or the powers that be, whoever that might be, then we could take that power right back. So you did your first book. You just sell, you did it yourself with Mary Beth. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, got a publishing houses to bid on it. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> and, and now, now you're up to the 16th edition. And yeah. and also it's I, just to let you know, the listeners know it's not just it's it's with people with learning differences, but I, I don't know if this is in the book or this is a sidebar, but Amy also deals with not just the learning differences, but emotional and uh, psychological challenges. So I don't know if that's right. part of the book or. No, it isn't part of the book, but it is part of my life because um, for a number, you know, so I have, I had a clinical practice, a private practice for a number of years and Mary Beth and I were co-authoring together. Right. And a couple of important things happened in my life. One of them is, is that we were invited to be on the Today Show mm-hmm. about the fourth edition. Okay. And I, and it was in Manhattan in New York, of course. Mm-hmm. So I can still remember to this day that Mary Beth and I were on the Today Show And then I went over to my parents' apartment and the look of shock on my father's face when I walked in because I had told him I was going to be on television. Uh Here I am, the child that he always worried, even though I he he loved me, but he was always worried. Yes. He loved you, but if you it would be nice if you could be a doctor. Yeah, but go ahead. Exactly. So I remember walking into his apartment and the look of shock on his face, he says, Oh, my darling. If anybody had told me, and remember, my parents are European, even though they spoke English, they're still there was an accent, right? And there's many languages they spoke. And my father said to me, if anybody had predicted that you would be on television, have such success, I would have spit in their face. It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> hysterical. So, again, a compliment, but in an eccentric kind of way. In a very European doctor. Very kind. European. Exactly. Adorable. I mean, he kept hugging and kissing me. And, and so sweet. Oh, adorable, sweet. So adorable. And so, you know, life went on and my children found their way. And of course, I was always very supportive and always curious and always learning and doing because for them, for the kids I was seeing. And then eventually I was introduced to consulting, mm-hmm. which I never really heard of. But one of the frustrations I had over the many years of seeing adolescents in my practice was a revolving door. Mm-hmm. And wasn't about being loved enough. And it wasn't about the fact that every parent doesn't try hard. It's where else and what else can we be doing? Because an hour a week with, with me, with a therapist, with an adolescent brain is very different than if you're in a bubble. So totally. And besides that, if the adolescent is not just, that's just an average adolescent brain. Now you take an adolescent brain that might have some learning challenges or emotional and psychological challenges that seeing them once a week probably is not necessarily going to cut it. And again, it doesn't mean that the parents aren't trying hard enough or that it's a terribly messed up family. I mean, it can be, but um, sometimes it's just how the kid is wired and he needs, he or she needs more. 
You know, and sometimes you just, everybody needs a break from each other. And because I do believe in psychology, obviously very much. I do believe in therapy. I believe in the- Ditto, ditto. So it's more about taking a break to kind of refigure what the brain is doing and what the communication style is happening, that the child is not growing, but rather going and taking risks. In a so, bad way. Yes. Yes. So it's, it's not just because somebody is bad. It's because sometimes everybody needs a change of pace. Mm-hmm. And so I started traveling and I fly up until COVID 100,000 miles a year to visit everything I can for an eight-year-old until the age of 50. I know it's, it's amazing the amount of travel she does. She needs those. And it has to be just FYI has to be a hundred K or she'll be very upset. She doesn't have that standing, but go ahead. That's a sidebar. It's not exactly a sidebar because it it does. It is part of that, that butterfly in me and that spilky and that ADHD. I I go to see the programs. I go to look. She does. Yep. Then I want to go home. And if I can get on an earlier flight, I want to go home. And so she as a you have no idea that was just a little sidebar joke between us but really she the amount of travel and the amount of dedication she has to find always new innovative programs to see how programs have changed because now you have a pretty large clientele that you know after all these years where people are like where can i send my kid right. what can i what can i do to help my i don't know what to do it's it's yeah but part of my belief system in hopes and dreams is not that we keep kids only in clinical environments but i also go to look at boarding schools mm-hmm. keep in mind that i also co-author a book on colleges right right and i want to see what a gap year looks like because mm-hmm. i want to understand what our kids can do and you know i believed in gap years 30 years ago i don't see it never made sense to me that an adolescent brain goes from high school home to college and freedom and having to structure themselves. So mm-hmm. I always believed in there has, should be a break in between, but mm-hmm. okay, taking all this time, gap years are now very popular. Right. Right. So now yep. I do clinical work. I do boarding schools. I do gap years, colleges, hopes and dreams. My child has been on this journey. It has to change. Can it change? Or is there a future? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is so fabulous. So, so back when you think about back, you know, when you were a a little girl and you always wanted to help people and, you know, not that you were going to be a doctor in terms of what your father wanted, but you, you always had the feeling inside, I'm going to help. And so you're between your own learning challenges and your kids learning challenges. And this, I think is always so fascinating that, you know, whatever we're meant to do, if we're awake and present, and notice we will, we will find the right path. So, you know, now at this stage, again, you're still, tra- you're still working, still yeah. traveling. I mean, I know it's COVID, but I'm just saying. Well, yes. I do shorter trips, pieces of them. Yes, of course. Yes. Okay. Um, and so what, what, what would you say is your typical clientele now at this stage? Is it more learning challenges? It's just a combination of learning and emotional. What's you know, I, it's really hard for me to, to say because um, we all come in a combination of ups and downs. Uh-huh. And so I might be seeing a student for college that had been in a program at one time in their life and is home. Okay. But that does not, that does not necessarily define them. Uh-huh. So, I, so when I do college work or boarding school, the more traditional 
I am mostly interested in who that person is before I can decide where that person should go. So I like to spend time talking. Like, mm-hmm. who are you? What do you love to do? Tell me about your free time. And like, like, what can we talk about? Give me a topic. I'm not interested in trying to trick anyone. And I'm not interested in, I have sometimes parents who say, well, well, especially because I have an international practice as well, keep in mind, because I was always traveling overseas and lecturing mm-hmm. and to lecture with in person. And so I would be invited overseas to lecture quite a bit because you're so amazing. Go ahead. And you know, your stuff. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. And I also bring those hopes and dreams with me. Okay. You know, you have, you know, expat families living overseas, you've got English speaking families. And so you always want to have an opportunity to know that there's something else, another door to open. And so I would be traveling for that. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that exposure, I was trying to expose everybody to the fact that there's a whole world out there. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you that when I went to Switzerland and saw the boarding schools in Switzerland, I like, why didn't I send my children there? I mean, can you imagine being in Europe and studying at the same time traveling around Europe? I mean, okay, I'm not going (laughs) to come back to this, Um, but there's so many exciting things out there. And so the more that I can get out, the more I can share with families so that they believe that their kids can have all kinds of great experiences. And so for me, it's always been about sharing, caring, and knowing. And so the more knowledge I have, the more knowledge I can share with families. And that's why I've never wanted to be pigeonholed only into a clinical practice. Uh-huh. I want to know what a traditional environment can look like because our children can have so many different options uh-huh. that I tell a parent, well, I don't know that one, so go somewhere else. Uh-huh. I may say, I'm not exactly sure. I have some ideas. And I'm going to talk to my colleagues because I have colleagues all over the world. Uh-huh. I don't believe I'm omnipotent, but uh-huh. I'm still to know that I have to ask questions in order to guide others in order to have understanding. And, you know, that's to me is the key, isn't it? For you, No, you're just like, I mean, not that I didn't know this before. You're just like amazing. So, but to me, what's so wonderful about your story is that it, it isn't that it was just like, oh, you woke up and I thought this is what you, you always had an inkling, but you had your own challenges because it, even though you're bright, which is clear from anyone who's listening to you because of your learning and your spilkies and the ADHD, there were challenges and you still went ahead and said, no, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to go to graduate school, which must not have been totally easy, especially as a young married person and with kids, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you did it anyways. And then because your own kids had challenges, you thought, well, this just is another part of my journey here. I want to do the best I can for them, which you did. They both went to college. They both graduated. You found, and then you said, you know what, I'm going to get a book going. And even though people said, no, 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 you went, yes, yes, yes. And did it anyways. And so that you've continued this journey for yourself of, of hopes and dreams and sharing to let parents and families know, don't give up which I believe, you know, I'm the most optimistic and have had my own experience with it besides, which Amy has been incredibly helpful with on a personal note, um, that you don't give up. You, 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 one of the things that I think you've shared with, I think I'm pretty sure it was you who said this, you know, the, the human brain, you know, is is an evolving kind of thing, particularly in adolescence that, that you're not baked yet. So no matter how, if anyone's listening and they're thinking, oh, I, I either am a teenager and I'm struggling or I'm a young adult and I'm struggling, just hang in there. 
because there's always opportunities. There's always hope. There's always another path to take. And if you're in, can be in touch or you need some guidance, whether it's talking to Amy, talking to me, talking to therapist, a colleague, a friend, your family, don't close that door, leave it open. And, and yes, there's going to be disappointments. It's just how life is, but you carry on. Did I say that right, Amy? Oh, I, I do. It, it, it is so funny because you mentioned about college, you know, the struggle in college. I have to tell you that the best thing that happened to me to reinforce my belief in myself was when I was in graduate school. Uh-huh. You go to graduate school where your strength is. You don't go to like college and high school is all about being good at everything. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but you go to graduate school where you really have an orientation. Mm-hmm. And so I even found my I've been looking through boxes. I have to do some things for my kids. And there is my my grades from graduate school. And I'm an A student. A course, I bet, because you're in your passion area. You're Mm -hmm. you're on your purpose. You're on your path. Exactly. And that's where you look back and you go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this was like so fabulous. So in closing, if you were going to give a message, even though I think we've sort of given the message to anyone out there who's like, Yes, but I have so many challenges. I don't know if I can do it. I I have an inner feeling like I think this is what my purpose is and my passion, but I don't know how I would get there. Any thoughts on how to encourage them to follow their heart? Yeah. Expose yourself to as many opportunities as possible. Mm-hmm. Take as many different types of jobs. Take as many different types of opportunities that come your way until you have a flash and go, yeah, that's what it is. Don't close yourself off without trying. Because mm-hmm. without trying, we don't have dreams. So dream, hopes and dreams is what our lives are about. And there's always another door to open. Never, never, never give up. I might get a little teary, but I 100% agree. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I always close every episode with a little bit of a quote. Um, and this time, because I knew that we were going to be talking about learning differences. Um, this is from um, Pele, who is apparently a soccer player and he, he has dyslexia. So he has some challenges. So here's what he had to say about about success and purpose. And so it's very similar to kind of what you're exactly saying. Success is no accident. It is hard work, perseverance, learning, studying, having many experiences, sacrifice, but most of all, love of what you are doing and learning to do it with all your heart. And I just love that. I just thought this would be appropriate um, for today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. I loved hearing your story. Even though I, I learned some things besides. So um happier you yeah. shared your story with us. Okay. So to all of you, thank you so much for listening. Um, this is Janice Alpert. I hope you're living your life with purpose and on purpose. Until next time. Bye-bye.